Welcome to the Veteran Business Collective Podcast. Hello, I am Chase Roth, and I'm here today with Ron Holmes of Riker USA, uh, as well as being an original member of the Veteran Business Collective. Appreciate your uh, support over the last year, Ron. Yes, it's, uh, I, I love being part of the organization and uh, uh, getting to see it grow over the last year has been a lot of fun. And then just the whole purpose of why you guys started it, I, ha- I have benefited from it on a professional level and a personal level. So that's, it's like, it's mission success. That's, uh, that's amazing to hear, man. I appreciate you saying so. Would you mind uh, elaborating a little bit on that? Uh, you know, the, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but, you know, after spend, spending 20 years in the Marines and five years in government service, I still have a call to serve in, in my community and just trying to figure it out. And one of the ways I have been able to do that is, is you know, we live in a castle law state. We live in a pro-gun state. And I look at it as if you're going to carry a gun in the community I live in, if you're new to firearms, I want to have a hand in that. I want to have a hand in your training. You know, so being able to make an impact with my 25 years of life experience into the community I live in to help, in my view, make it a safer place, then that's, you know, and that's great. So the VBC has allowed me to expand bring more people out, you know, you, you and your dad, your family, we came out, we had a great day in the range. Yeah, we did. And, um, and just, you know, just try to like, just grow like, I like Rob likes to say, like my, my blue ocean, you know, and then, um, uh, you know, business opportunities and networking and then just being able to mentor a few guys that I've met at, at the, uh, you know, the evening meetings and then just like the friendships and, you know, me finding out about Signal Fire and now we at Riker USA, we have, been able to hire you guys to help us, you know, continue to grow our and mature our appearance as, as, you know, as a company. So, yeah, it's that, that's, that's exactly why we're doing what we're doing. It's so cool to hear firsthand from a member, a veteran business owner, that you've been able to tap into all three of the aspects of the veteran business collective that, that we're trying to shoot for, which is that, that sense of purpose that you found through being able to mentor new guys coming into business, leaving the military. Uh, you found uh, a tribe you could reconnect with, and then you're, you're finding some economic support through referral business and picking up some new clients and, and that sort of thing too. So that's just, uh, it's great to hear that sort of success story coming out of the group. So I appreciate you sharing that, man. Mm-hmm. Um, we did kind of jump ahead a little <laughs> bit, but uh, no, that's cool. It's good for people to hear that and, and, and know what we're up to. But uh you served, as you said, what, 25 years? 20 years active duty, 20 years active. Marines, and then five years government service. And you were a uh, reconnaissance Marine, correct? Yes. Tell us a little bit about your time in the military and, and what that was like for you. Uh, you know, I joined in 1989, and um, my recruiter was great. I went to recruiter when I was 16. I actually thought I was going to boot camp the next day, and I was going to finish high school in boot camp. I was, like, heartbroken when he told me I couldn't join until I was 17 and I had to graduate high school. And I tried everything. I was like, all right, how about this? I quit school. I get a GED. And I like, I go to boot camp in like two months. And he's just like, no, dude, no. <laughs> and I was like, how about I get emancipated from my parents and a GED? And he's just like, dude, just stop. Yeah, so <laughs> Just wait a year. <laughs> I, yeah, I just want him to go. And it's not, it's, it's my, my, you know, I, I love my family. My parents are still, you know, I'm fortunate my parents are still married. But I just wanted 
I wanted that. Like I was, I knew what I wanted. I just wanted out. I wanted a challenge and I wanted to, you know, I wanted what I told him. I want camis and an M16. I want to live in the woods and I want to see the world. And I pretty much got all of that. Um, you know, so I went in and then he was, he was an awesome recruiter. He's like, I was like, uh, yeah, I want guaranteed infantry. And he's just like, I'm not going to do that. He's just like, you're going to come back in a year and you're going to be like, oh, you hate me and this, that, and the other. He's like, you know what? Tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to hook you up. That's what he told me. I'm going to let you go in open contract. Oh man. And I was like, infamous open contract. I'm like, whoa, what is that? That sounds. That's, that's where the Marine Corps gets all their cooks from. (laughs) Yes. And he's just like, man, you go. And he never mentioned like cook or wireman or nothing. (laughs) I don't even think wireman's an MOS anymore. Probably not. And, um. He's like, yeah, man, you, you, uh, he's like, you could be a grunt. You could be this, that, and everything. I'm like, I'm like, all right, yeah, that sounds good. Whatever. It's getting me to Marine Corps faster. I don't care. Right. And that was one of the things he was like, if you go open contract, I have a date for you here. If not, if you're waiting for a specific school seat, it could be another six months. And I was just like, yeah, I'm out. Let's go. I'll do it. And then, then like I get through boot camp and I get to MCT and then I start realizing like open contract was, a horrible, a horrible way to like put my fate and my dream of being a Marine, you know, and um, uh, the grunt list came out. I remember an MCT because I, when I went to MCT, it was the second course ever run. So like MCT, I was there from like the conception, very like it was brand new. That's Marine combat training. Marine combat training. It's, it's like 28 days after training boot camp. for non-infantry. Infantry. Devices, yep. right? Yeah. Back then, infantry and Marines had to go through that. And then they went right to SOI. Oh, okay. All right. Because it was still, they were still trying to, you know, figure mm-hmm. it out. Um, <laughs> but uh, an MCT, the grunt list came out and I'm like, I'm, we get it. And we're looking and I'm like, I'm not on it. And then I'm just like, damn it. I'm going to be a cook. <laughs> this is, this sucks. Like, oh man. I'm just like, and then I started thinking, I was like, well, maybe I could go embassy duty. Maybe, maybe I could go security forces. You know, I started th- just trying to like find Avenue and then they came out and then, uh, they came out and they're like, um, they read all these other names and it was just like, yeah, you guys are going to be 25, 31s field radio operators. And it was like, what's that? And they're like, you're a grunt with a radio. And I'm like, awesome. So that was cool. So then I went to comm school, went from comm school to Okinawa with lab battalion, a stinger missile mm-hmm. battalion. Um, it's funny is when I was at comm school and I, you're not even going to know the piece of cure I'm getting ready to talk about. It's called a DCT, a digital computer terminal. And it was this big, massive like thing. I can't remember the batteries. It was like a long cylinder battery and heavy ass cables and went into, uh, went into the, um, the one Oh fours. It was, it worked best over HF. But it had pre-programmed formats in it, and you know your nine lines, your medevacs, you know uh, resupplies, everything like that. And it was a very primitive iPad. Um, we were the first class in comm school to get trained on it. And I get to Okinawa. Uh, I get to Okinawa, July nineteen ninety. August second, nineteen ninety. I get promoted to lance corporal. I turn nineteen. And George Bush Sr. declares war on Saddam Hussein. 20 days later, I'm on a ship at Red Beach, Okinawa, on the USS Schenectady, setting sail for uh, for Saudi Arabia, hmm. for, you know, Gulf War. 
So at this point, I'm in the Marine Corps nine months, and I'm like, man, I'm getting, like, this is where it's at. Like, oh, this is yeah. where I'm getting, you know. But the one thing that got me on that deployment was there was two communicators. We had graduated um, the, the same time, ended up in the same unit. Um, and what they did was I got assigned to the platoon that was, was going out, and then he got in, assigned to the reserve platoon. That DCT is what got me on my first official, like, you know, deployment. I don't want to say combat deployment, but, you know, because we never shot a missile. But, um, yeah, so I went from there and then came back. It was there. It was a nine months and then came back. So my first time in Okinawa, I was actually only on island, I think, 90 days. And then oh, wow. um, yeah. so I missed out on, like, so much and came back to the States. I ended up um, at Lejeune, and at Lejeune I went from uh, – 8th eighth, eighth Comp Battalion to um, the, the Comp Platoon for uh, it's another unit that's not around anymore, uh, Surveillance Intelligence Reconnaissance Group. So that used to be, uh, and I think it was called, like I think it was a MEB before that, and what the SHRIG did is it took, it had an element from Force, and it had SOTG, it had TOPO, Intel, 8th Com, and Engineers, and you were like, uh, a MAGTAF, which is what Shrig went away, and then it became Special Purpose MAGTAF, um, Marine Air Ground Task Force. So mm-hmm. that was, I was with that, and then I went to Anglico. I was at Anglico for uh, a couple years, and then I get orders back to Okinawa, which I'm not unhappy about at all. I think that was like 94. And um, now I end up at, uh, I get assigned to Fifth Force. And I, it's funny, it's like I, I I get there and they're like, "Hey man, you you want to be here?" I'm like, "Yeah, I want to be here. Like, I, this is this is my ultimate goal." And they're like, "All right, man. Well, there's an in dock in three weeks." And so my boys, who are to this day my best friends, to, you know, this day there, they got me ready. And it's funny, it's like so many pivotal things happen in Okinawa, and they happen on my birthday. The in dock was on my birthday. I turned 25 dumb things dumb things that we remember my Mm -hmm. laundry number in boot camp was 25 right you know just like all these things you know so it's just like yeah and there was you know it was an old school in doc man it started at uh i don't know like midnight and we went man we went a full like 30 hours um like nonstop moving and uh it was it was awesome it was awesome and then i did three years there there at Fifth Force, and again back at Lejeune at Second Force, and then um, end up in Alaska, uh, running out, uh, being part of the uh, the uh, I and I staff for the uh, reserve unit up there. We, at the time, it was Echo Company Four Three Con, and that was like dream deployment, man. Just being in Alaska, I was up there for a while. Came back to Second Force, was at Second Force, and then um, from and then was it. Uh, November, December, 05. I checked in in November, uh, December, January. We, oh, still, January 6th, we became second MSOB. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and then I just I finished out at, uh, at MARSOC. I retired out of MARSOC. I was the G6 um, comm chief, or operations chief, and um, spent the, uh, when I got promoted to Massar and got put up into G6, spent the last three years creating the first Marine Special Operations Communication School, we call MNOC, Marine Network Operators Course. Mm-hmm. And that was honestly uh, being, having spent my last three years in a non-deployable status, which 
It's not what I joined the Marine Corps for, right. but I got to do something. And this is one of the things now I love meeting all the Raiders, you know, and, and you know, at the VBC functions and guys I meet at towns or come, you know, around town, come out to uh, the range and stuff. I was asking if they've been through the course and they're like, yeah, man. Yeah. And, we, and uh, we start talking about it. And they're like, why you ask? And I'm like, yeah, I, I created it. That wasn't like always there. It mm-hmm. was, it didn't exist. And um, they're like, dude, that's pretty cool you know so for me it's it's awesome to hear that you know like nice it's you know it's what what we wanted it's organic and it's got different versions of it break break broken off off the original one um and it sounds like from everybody i've talked to even recently it sounds like it's like it's still growing and it's ever changing so so it sounds like you had a pretty uh pretty extensive and uh adventurous 20 years in the Marine Corps then. You made it all over, not just uh, Lejeune, but you went places Marines don't usually spend a lot of time, like Alaska and, mm-hmm. and other places. And then, of course, you know, we had the whole thing going on in Afghanistan and Iraq, and I'm sure you were back and forth to there uh, throughout all that time as well. Yeah, I actually spent um, – so when I was, in, I was in Alaska, so downside of being in Alaska, uh, I, got, I checked into Alaska July 2000. Um, or 2001, and then, you know, yeah. then 9-11 happens, and now I'm like— I was in SOI when 9-11 happened. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, sitting here, we're watching it, you know, and it's like, like we weren't going anywhere, so uh, we were trying to get on. Like, one of our reserve platoons got, you know, they got called up. One of our—we our, our, had, had a couple—we had three teams that were full re, uh, 0321 guys, you know, mm-hmm. um, Com O three twenty one like me in in a team in a team, <clears throat> and tried to get them. Uh, we tried to get on with them, and they were like, "No, it's not happening." Like it just that's not how this works. And we're yeah. like, you know, and um, so that kind of stunk. But then this this um, opportunity came up. Second force at the time was doing this uh, like FID mission in Yemen, and they got to the point where they were overtasked they could not fulfill the commitment for the next year so they went to the reserves my name came up and i put together my team of reserves and i went and i spent over a year in uh in yemen so that was that was sick that was yeah, like sounds like it'd be pretty it, wild. it was awesome yeah. yeah we did all kinds of good stuff and neat stuff and then, then uh it was it was like a dream deployment you know credentials like long hair beard like yeah. you know no uniforms you know I get I get over there. I get an AK and a Glock, and I'm like, man, I am I am in every '80s movie I've ever like watched. <laughs> this is so sick, right? Yeah. But no, it was just it was fun, man. It was it was fun, and then you know, and then I again being non-employed from the last few years, which is kind of what led me into, you know, feeling like I still that call to serve, which I you know I just mentioned, and but still had some gas in the tank, and you know had an opportunity, and went um, actually worked for JSOC for one year. Uh, as a, I was actually a comm chief, essentially a civilian version, and was in charge of um, a lot of civilians in uh, all the FOBs and in three countries. So okay. I got to, as a civilian, I got to go, I just like go down to the floor, schedule my own air, fly up, go spend like a week with these guys up here, bouncing around, making sure that everybody was good and that they, they saw their leadership you know, yeah. Um, and that was a lot of fun. And then the only reason I stopped doing that job is they changed the contract because it was it was cool because it was ninety days on and it was eighty days off. 
So I was like, this is good. I can do that. They changed yeah. the contract. They wanted to do six months on, six months off. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing those deployments. Like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And then, um, and then I went the diplomatic security route, and I did that until I had cancer. And then my doctor was like, hey, bro, you probably shouldn't leave the country for two years until your body gets right. And at that point, it was about 25 years of deploying. And I was like, it wasn't fun anymore. It just got to that point where it was just like it was it was too hard to leave my wife. Mm-hmm. And it just it, it just like the risk wasn't worth the reward. We we're trying to start a family. So, yeah. And then, um, right about that time, cancer times, right when we uh, we invented the I invented I've already already had prototypes of the grip done. But it was, but it was right about that time when my my partners, we came together and we started the company and made it real. Yeah, so you you got away from the the deploying and the running and gunning that you did, you know, active duty military and then post military your contracting gigs, but you've managed to still stay in it, uh, just without the traveling now. So we said earlier, I got to go to the range and shoot with you. I got to take my dad out and shoot. So you run some fantastic ranges, uh, everything from just regular concealed carry classes to ladies' night to full-on tactical training for uh, people with advanced skills. Uh, so that's got to be great to be able to stay involved with something that you had so much passion for. Um, and then I want to get into, you know, your your products that you've developed because I think our, our listeners, you know, we're the Veteran Business Collective, so they like to hear about the business side of things. And you're our first guest that's filed patents, uh, invented something from nothing, uh, taken a product idea through manufacturing and prototyping and all that uh, to market multiple products. So can you share a little bit about how you – how you started that process and what that was like going from, you know, active duty military guy, uh, mm-hmm. always deployed to trying to figure out how to manufacture and take a product to market. Yeah. So <clears throat> in, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right? right. And that, that's something that, that will remain true for rest of, you know, rest of our lives. So you don't know what you don't know. And some lessons are hard lessons and some, you know, are, are blessings. Right. Um, when I was in Okinawa, myself uh, and Mike Joyce, we created this little clip out of PVC pipe zip ties and foam to hold our shotguns. We were, we were breachers, so we carried shotguns as well. And we were working with the SEAL team over there, and these guys were, honestly, they were awesome. We had the best time for that six months they were there. And uh, I was like, yo, that's pretty cool. Can I take some pictures of it? And I'm like, yeah, man, cool. 25-year-old, you know, recon Marine Ron Holmes, what do I know about patents and copyrights and trademarks and stuff like that? I'm just like, I'm left-handed in a right-handed world in a tactical environment where the tactical industry didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So everything that came out was geared, was side-specific to a right-handed shooter. So I've always had to undo and redo and create and make it work for my um, I, I, my, my, my being left-handed, honestly, is my superpower. It is just, I've always had to deal with, you know, figure thing, figure, figure out, out workarounds for yeah. stuff that wasn't designed and, for you. And I'm fortunate. My son is a true lefty, left-eye dominant, left-hand, left-hand. Oh, really? And when he meets you too, he'll be like, Hey, are you left or right-handed shooter? Like that's his jam. <laughs> like that's what he goes to. Then, then he can size you up. And, uh, oh, gosh. but yeah, so all that. So then fast forward, I, I check in. The second, we're doing some stuff with the guys, the team guys over on, on the East Coast here. We're up at James River doing the VBS, uh, VBSS stuff. And I see them fast roping down and 
they're doing this little thing and I'm like and I and I notice it and I walk up after I'm like yo where'd you get that and they're like dude our boys from west coast sent pictures to the dude at London Bridge Tactical uh, and this guy made these and I was just like <sighs> and they're like what's wrong bro and I'm just like and I showed them my belt I said you see that and they're like yeah and I was like that's the one they took pictures of and they're like, they looked at me and they're like, I'm sorry, man. And I'm <laughs> oh, just like, man. so I, I didn't know anything. At right, so I right. was just more. Well, you, were, you probably weren't thinking about it from a, uh, you know, an economic opportunity. No. You were nope. thinking about, I've got a problem I need solved. I just solved it. You know, and when somebody else wanted to take a picture of it, you were probably thinking they're thinking the same thing you were. They're going to go build their own to solve their own problem. Not that they were going to, you know, take your idea and go to market right. with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's stuff like that. And, you know, and again, like in high school, I was in DECA, Distributive Education Classes of America. It was like a business, you know, prep mm-hmm. uh, course. And that was fun. We had to create a design a product. It was our senior year project. We had to design this project and everything and take it to market. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that our teacher, like he took all of our stuff and then he submitted <laughs> stuff because I saw my idea out on the market out in the wild later on yeah so so you got your start while you were with inventing things while you were still on active duty yeah okay yeah so so that being said is is i have a a a really good friend of mine a mentor um adam slank this guy has done i think by the time he was like 25 he had about 40 patents on things that he's created and invented and everything and when he and i met um we sat down and I started talking to him about my idea and, you know, explained it to him and everything like this. And he's just like, dude, this is phenomenal. He's like, what do you need? I was like, I don't know how to start. And so he basically gave me a map. He was just like, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. It's going to cost this, 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 and this. And I was like, all right, cool. So, I took my notes and everything like that. And then when we hit to the point where, you know, my partners and I, we sat down, we talked and we want to start the company. They're like, all right, how do, you know, I guess we got to find a way to write a patent. I go, here's, I got, I got our roadmap. So we did everything that he said. And Adam's great. He'll tell you, he's like, I've given that advice to thousands of people. And he's like, you guys are the only ones that did it. And it's, and it's worked. Nice. And I do everything I can to I, to pass it on. I've passed on that information to half a dozen people. And I know that I know two of them are actually in the process right now. So, so you <clears> found a mentor. Yep. He had good advice. Yep. And you listened to it. Yep. And that got you started. Yep. Okay. So you obviously filed for the patent. So you, well, you have to do a patent writer, a patent search, right? Okay. So we sat down with this patent writer. Now we had already started, formed our business. We had formed our LLC at the time so we start we sat down with the patent writer gave him all my sketches and everything like this and and he's taking notes and everything and he's like all right and we gave him information about other things that were in the market so ours directly mounts horizontally off the side everything else on the market is vertically mounted on the south side of the rail so he's going through everything and he asked me he's like okay he goes i have to ask he's like how do you know this product doesn't exist. And I was like, if it existed, I'd have 30 of them. And he's like, good enough for me. I, I, I'm going to, I'm off on the timeline, but I think it was about, it was about six months. And he came back and he was just like, you're good. Like you're really, you're either onto something or you're onto nothing. And we're like, well, what does that mean? He's like, he's like, well, no one's filed. No one's ever done anything on the side of any shoulder fire system. 
And he's like, so like I said, you're either onto something or people have just like Psh, decided it wasn't d- worth it. It wasn't right, worth it. Right. And and uh, he goes, but that being said, here's your first version of your patent. So we already had our patent. We had already done our due diligence at this point too. Mm-hmm. Is there was no need to go to put any money forward into development if we couldn't get a patent, right? Right, or if we were going to have to pay to license someone else's patent. And uh, um, so it goes to our patent attorney, and the patent attorney sends it forward. Uh, we had already. Um, found the engineer firm in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, Lout Design. These guys are great. They're young. They're forward-thinking. But they had already done stuff in the tactical space. And they were very excited to work on our project. Um, so we, we already had that lined up. The moment that the lawyer sent it forward, we were patent-pending status. And that's when we pulled the trigger with the engineers and we went. Um, that whole process from prototype and everything – uh, was probably almost a year and a half till we actually got to the point where we had a full product. Now, in that whole time frame, we've had, you know, we were still, we filed for, I think at that time, three patents. We found investors and, you know, had the mold and then really just started trying to figure it out. Um, and that's kind of, and then we ended up releasing on uh, my son's first birthday. We wanted it to be symbolic, the company and the grip there. Everybody thing is named after him. My partners made that decision when we had to change from an LLC to a C-Corp, and we had to change our name. And we were kind of pissed because our LLC name, you'll like this one, because my partners are both— I haven't heard this, so my, my partners are both Navy, right? Our company was called Shipmate, which is hilarious. <laughs> it's, it's like if you, if you know, you know. And Shipmate, you know, for you guys that don't— understand it's a derogatory term uh but used between marines and sailors on ship yep and it is and it's it's i mean honestly it was hilarious you know so we were bummed because we were like our logo is tight it was old nautical like old school like american traditional nautical uh anchor with stars around it we're like we're we're golden we're done we didn't we don't have to think about this going forward now like yeah we can't transfer the name so we're like so they made the decision my Riker had been born, and they, we had a meeting, and they're like, "Hey, look, we made a decision. We, we we're gonna we know we're gonna name the company." And I'm like, "Oh, we do," and they're like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "And they're like, we want to call it Riker USA," and I'm like, "What?" And I'm like, "Are you serious?" And they're like, "Yeah." They're like, "Dude, we're here because of you. It's a badass name. Like, let's do this." And I was like, "Let me ask Tracy," and I asked my wife, and she's like, "Are you serious?" I was like, "Yeah." And she's like, "Oh my god, that's so cool." So now my son, who just turned five, is. Uh, probably like the only five-year-old with his own private label <laughs> yeah, so, yeah right. um but um yeah so that that was it we launched on his fir- officially on his first birthday in september um 2014 and um with one product and we are now up to um i think 11 products and we've got about uh five more in development right now so what was your your primary go-to-market strategy when you mm-hmm. came up with just the one product? Was oh. it was it online sales? Were you hitting shows hard? What, what were you doing to get your product out there? Delusions of grandeur. Okay. We thought that we were going to release this product using the eye test, right? What we see. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a consumer, and I know what catches my eye and what makes me like, ooh, I need that. You know, like I know what I what pulls me in, so I kind of like – we tried to look at stuff like that and we you don't know what you don't know right we thought we were just going to do we're going to get on social media 
just like everybody, you know, at the time, Black Rifle Coffee and Article 15, were, they were paving the way for the veteran, you know, community on, on like, you know, yeah. entrepreneurship and everything like that. So you got to kind of look at that and see their growth. And you're like, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Little did we know when we launched, you cannot do paid advertising on any social media platform, even Google ads, anything firearms related. Mm. And that, are, so our, our delusions of grandeur of driving Bentleys by Christmas <laughs> was shot out of the water, right? right. So, yeah. uh, uh, so challenges, right? Um, so so what did you do? How'd you pivot? What was your, what was your, uh, online? And then again, you know, the, the tactical industry is, it, 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 it's caddy, it's caddy, it's full of experts, uh, mm. you know, 1% of our entire armed forces makes up the special operations community, but 99% of Facebook is the former special operator, right? Yeah. Just pick a local gun store and go to it. And everybody yeah. that works behind the counter was spec ops, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, you just, you, so we had to, you know, when we launched, um, we, you know, we pretty much called it the embrace the hate campaign, you know, internally. And it was just like, it was just like prison rape and hate is we were getting from groups and stuff. And so we came up with the idea and, um, got some guidance from, um, Mike Mahalski, his sons of Liberty gun works down in San Antonio and West Whitlock Marine veteran entrepreneur, rogue American and invader coffee. Um, and both of them pretty much said the same thing. They're like, man, they're like, it's going to sound weird, but you need to, um, you need to put love into the internet, not hate. He goes, meet that hate with love. And he's like, meet it head on, start engaging. And so what we did is cause to, to be completely honest, man, you know, the company's named after my son. I invented this. I'm proud of it. Like I use it. I believe in it. I've seen people's lives change, you know, then get benefit from it or get something back from it. And now we got these people who've never tried it, who don't know me. And they're just like running their mouths and, you know, everything like this. It's just like, whoo, that stings a little. What we weren't prepared for that. Right. Mm -hmm. It was just like, all right, whatever. Makes you think too about like how you interact with other people, you know, treat others how you would like to be treated, that kind of thing. But that's got to be that's got to be a tough pill to swallow, right? You've you've put at this point years mm-hmm. into this. You've taken investor money to launch it. You've you've put all this work into it. It's named after your kid, and you would maybe expect isn't the right word, but at least hope that it would be well received within the marketplace. And then to have a bunch of haters come yeah. out of the woodwork and and basically try and run you into the dirt before you even get a chance to really get started. Um, to persevere through that is impressive. Yeah. To not to not just be like, oh, I guess nobody likes us and, and pack mm-hmm. up your bags, mm-hmm. but you didn't do that. Nah. Nope. So we we engaged. If you left if you left a negative ish style comment, I engaged with you. Like nonstop. Like it was it was to the point where like I looked at my wife, I was like, I have got to I've got to keep hours or something because I was constantly in the messages and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and then as I learned, as I go along, um, Herm Edwards uh, used to be ESPN analyst, you know, pro football player. He's a coach out in Arizona, uh, one of the colleges out there. He used to say, don't hit send. Don't hit send. He'd be, he'd, his thing was write it down, write it out, and walk away. Sit down. And it. come yeah, back and reread yeah. it. That advice, and then Joe Rogan, don't read the comments. You know, we got sucked into the comments and everything, but at the beginning, we kind of had to. 
you know, and then Wes, more advice Wes gave me was, he's like, dude, if you got haters, you're doing something right. He's just like, you've got their attention. And mm-hmm. he's just like, and he goes, you know what? He goes, don't pay him any mind. He goes, focus on the ones. So we really try to do, we, we're not a hundred percent, you know, there's only three of us, you know, and I'm the road warrior. Both of my partners actually have, they have real jobs. I'm the fortunate retired stay at home dad that gets to teach soccer moms and special operators how to shoot. Right. Yeah, and I get yeah. to travel and promote my company. So you know, learn, learning that and learning how to navigate that and, and climbing out of that. And, and you know what? I, if you don't like it, that's fine. That's what we say. It's just like, look, we, we're not saying it's the end-all, be-all. We feel it is a far superior uh, product. We believe in it. And if you don't like it, then you don't like it. But all you got to do is try it. All you got to try That's why we have like 120-day, no questions asked, money back, you know, guaranteed return, right? Um, and – you know, we really just try to do our best, whether it's an email or it's a DM, you know, just to engage and respond to everybody. Uh, and it's hard, even still now, we're still do, we still do that. That's, that's our policy. We don't really ever want to get away from that because customer service is, is huge, yeah. you know, especially for a small business, you know, and we're still learning. You know, I'm fortunate that my partners are both, they're actually businessmen. They're like MBA guys and I am not. Um, so this is part of our six majority of our success as, as an operating company is because of what they do and what I've learned from them. Like, you know, it's funny. This is just like, I'm, you know, I look at it. I'm so I'm in my 12th year of retirement and I'm so far removed from my past life. And, you know, I'm, I'm a businessman now, you know, I'm mm-hmm. a, I'm a tradesman. I'm like, you know, I'm old school, like, you know, going from town to town and, you know, like, yeah. So opening up your trunk and pulling out your wares. Pretty much, man. Yeah. yeah. And, and, um, so road shows, we did some road shows and everything like that. And that even learning that, learning how to navigate that and the good ones and everything. Don't be like, Oh, feel like you got to go to all of them. You got to go to the right ones. You know, that saying is, uh, um, it's not, it's not how many business cards you give out. It's who you give them to. It's kind of like that same theory, right? So we've done a lot of the, the shows here in you know North Carolina and stuff, but we then we started figuring out we got into some of the bigger shows and everything. And I have been constantly evaluating like things that I could do better, what I learned from each show. And we're at the point now where we've completely you know we've upgraded our appearance, we've brought in you know we've really just gotten that much more mature uh, you know appearance. From everything, which is why we're doing new, you know, in studio videos with you guys, and and, yeah. and it's awesome on that side of things. And then um, now looking at you know getting a reputation out there at the shows and 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 understanding the circuit and finding the really good ones to the point where I'm actually now working with one of our shooters who's at, who's still active duty army um, up in Maryland, six uh, eight training group. Uh, we're building a massive event up our own high-end uh, industry show at Guntry Range in Maryland. We just did a um, like a light one just to prove to the range what we could do. Mm-hmm. We're doing another one in April, and then we're going to have a massive probably 80-vendor show in October 2022 at Guntry Range. So I've gone to the point where from – all right, mm, I don't like this one. I like this one. I like this one. Okay, I like these things from this. This is what was I, they could have done better. Blah right. blah blah. To now putting that into developing my own, my own trade show, right? Um, which highlights the benefit of it. It highlights that facility because the facility is 
ridiculous, dude. 34 indoor bays, 64,000 square foot facility. They have 20,000 they haven't even developed on yet. Um, it's an, it's insane how amazing it is in there. But again, so we're going to highlight that the facility and then just bring in key vendors and make an, an amazing, amazing weekend up there. This is a really cool story. I want to try and capture some of the, the highlights that I, I think I've been able to, to pull from what you said, because <laughs> I mean, you've shared so much great information, right? Like you, you talked a lot about the things you did, the things you consciously did well. Right. So I think the first one was you found somebody who knew more than you did about what you're going to try and get into, not not the tactical products market, but just how to uh, get get into the patent process, how to start, how to start with manufacturing. Mm -hmm. Right. You found a guy that was willing to help and you listened. You didn't act like a know it all. You took what he had to said to heart. And then the second thing that I heard you say that that made a big difference for you, you partnered with people who were smarter than you in other areas. Like you had this part down, but like you said, you found some partners with MBAs that are business people uh, that could bring those strengths to the table. So you, it seems like you're, you're really good from the beginning of surrounding yourself with folks who uh, you know, brought strengths to the table um, and were able to help in ways that you wouldn't have been able to do on your own. Uh, do you think that, that has a lot to do with where you are today? 100%, but I think one of the, bi the bigger things is, is, is failure. Mm -hmm. The failure I had prior to this, the failure I had with two previous business engagements, uh, you know, I aligned myself with people. I liked the concept of what we were trying to do. And then just as we moved forward, I realized, you know, that both the people I had aligned myself with were morally bankrupt people. And were these are separate ventures not related to this? Not related at all. So you took some hard lessons out of those first yeah. couple tries. And so you were already experienced when you decided to do this. You, yeah. You kind of knew some things to avoid, how to kind of vet your partners a little bit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, so my partners is, again, it's like, it's kind of like a lot of stuff goes back to Alaska. And um, my partner, Jake, uh, is a Navy. He was a Navy uh, crypto guy. He's a Mustang. He retired uh, an officer. Um, we were two ships passing in the night. We literally rotated in and out. Ne didn't know each other. In Alaska at the same time and ended up with the same core group of friends up there, local friends. Like, weird. Yeah. So he and I met for the first time in 2009. We were back in Alaska for the uh, the 50th anniversary of Alaska becoming a state. Our boys, 36 Crazy Fist. Uh, you can hear their music on our videos we did with you guys. Okay. Um, <clears throat> they were doing this massive show video and everything like that. So we were up there for that. And Jake and I met for the first time. Then find out he's in Raleigh. He was uh, running NROTC at NC State, so you know we be we became friends from there, and then and then through that I met my other partner Josh through him because he met Josh when they were at NC State together. Uh, Josh was a P three pilot. He got out into the Navy Reserve. He's still in the Navy Reserve. He's retiring this year sometime. Um, I'm sorry, within the next six months. But uh, um, but they're both in you know the industry uh, you know up there. So that, you know, my partner, these guys I knew and then, but they also knew me through these other ventures that I had that were, you know, good intention, poor judgment on my mm -hmm. side, you know, <clears throat> and um, uh, that was, that was actually something that we were, we all talked about a lot. And like, the goal is just that we, you know, we don't want to do this. They also were entrepreneur mindset, um, 
Jake is an artist and Josh was trying to help him grow and we get, you know, got him in a couple of art galleries and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, my partners are definitely, we're here where we are because of them. I have all these ideas and I'm just like, Hey, let's do this. Let's do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You know? And they're like, all right, calm down, calm down. All right, let's do this. And we plan it out. And then we just, you know, again, you got your five meter, your hundred meter, your 500, your thousand meter targets. Right. right. So same kind of concept. You built a good team. Yeah. You built it. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. You built I, an awesome team. And now you guys, you, how many, how many products now you said? We're at like, I think we're at like nine. Okay. Nine. Well, I, I have one of your slings, mm-hmm. which, yeah. which you brought with you today. Yeah. Um, and I know you've got multiple versions of the grip now. We're, we're going to get close to time here. So I want to, I want to give some time to actually show everybody mm-hmm. what it is that you've mm-hmm. put so much time, yeah. effort, blood, sweat, and tears into um, before we run out. So why don't you go ahead and, and pick up this beautiful piece of equipment here and, and show us uh, the infamous Riker grip that we've been talking about for the last hour. So again, this is set up for a right-handed shooter because most of you people out there are right-handed. But um, what you have here is the Riker grip where the first to market side-mounted grip, speed, accuracy, and stability are all improved with this. You can see on here, this is a key mod rail. So we have a piece of Picatinny attachment on there to mount the grip on. The grip comes with your standard pick mount, but you can also we also offer an M-lock mount. You have your DC mount, which is named after our friend Doug Curtis. Uh, he's actually the one who came up with the original concept. So if you have an idea that you want to collaborate with, uh, you know, or invent, we make it real, we'll name it after you. So this gives you a piece of pick rail where you can put your pressure pad on for your light laser and your devices and mount your light and lasers wherever you want on the real estate of your gun. We have our Riker sling, which is an active sling. It has integrated bungee in here, which gives you a super unique push pull with the, uh, with the, the Riker method. And then we have our not even officially released yet uh, cable guard. And all this does is it's a track on the backside. It allows you to protect your cables and it just clips over your Picatinny rail and kind of removes the need to put zip ties and duct tape on, on, you, on your rifle. Awesome. Now you told a story. Uh, so last month you did a member spotlight at our Wilmington BBC mm-hmm. meeting. And you told a story. I'm going to... I'm going to ask you, kind of put you on the spot and see if you'd be willing to retell the story here for us. Which one? <laughs> well, you, so earlier you mentioned that uh, you've seen the, the positive benefit that people have gotten out of using the Riker grip. Because it's, it's not just a cool guy thing. It's not just a look neat thing. But it has, uh, from, what, from what you've explained in the past, actual like, physiologically intended medical benefits to using it. Because you had a, a bad shoulder, right? Yeah, I have. This helps you shoot. Yep. And and you told a story about a, a particular uh, Medal of Honor recipient mm-hmm. um, who had the opportunity to try out your grip. Uh, would you mind talking about yeah. that a little bit? Yeah. So you know, I invented it for pain management, and then in our in, in our process, we brought on a doctor of biomechanics, an optimo- ophthalmologist, MDs engineers and statisticians. So when we say you are faster and more accurate with this, we can actually, we have data to back that up. How many other products on the market can do that other than an optic? Mm -hmm. I'm going to say probably none, you know? So that being said, it it was, uh, we were also advised by the biomechanic guy that we were wasting our time in the firearms industry and we should be thinking about power tools with our grip. And that's something that was actually on our radar and I can see that being on a, a big drill, drill or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So we're working. That's like, you know, again, 
focus on one thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I got to take um, a really, really good friend of mine, and um, and it's, I won't get into how the, the story and how he and I became good friends, but it's probably one of the best human. He's in my he's in my top five. I have, like, my top five of best human beings on earth. Um, and uh, we take Kyle Carpenter out to the range, and – He's, if you guys aren't familiar with him, you should pick up his book. It's on my list. You Are Worth It by Kyle Carpenter. Amazing book. Um, the audiobook is better because he reads it. So that's, that's okay. awesome. But uh, we took him out to the range, and he's now left-handed. So we put him on the gun, and he shoots one mag, and he comes back, and he goes, can I keep shooting? And we're like, absolutely. So he gets up there we put a chest rig on him and he's like shooting reloading on his own and everything and he turns around and says fellas he goes i'm i'm not exaggerating i'm not kidding he's like today as i stand here as i am post injuries he's like i could go back to afghanistan today because of that grip and my other well our our silent partner up in alaska and i shared that story with them and he was like fellas he's like if we never sell another product again we're a success yeah. because we gave him back something he lost. So mm. he, he lost in a, in a very, uh, yeah. Sacrificial manner. Jumping on a grenade. It doesn't, doesn't get any more sacrificial than that. Does yeah, it? Yeah. It's pretty, he's a great kid. He's a great kid. So, um, he is, he's like, he's just like a little brother. I love him to death. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, and we've got a bunch of stories like that. We got a bunch of guys, injured dudes, the guys with no legs, guys with lung transplants and everything. We've got short people with not a lot of upper body strength who found massive benefit from this because it, you're not holding the gun up. You're pulling it back. Mm-hmm. It works biomechanically how your body's supposed to work. works with you, not against you. So definitely a lot of science behind your product. Do you, yeah. Yeah. And, it's funny. And now, and now emotion too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Which I believe in cool. it. Yeah. yeah. Let's, yeah, that's, man. So what's uh, what's on the horizon? What's next for Riker? So we're the ultimate goal is to create the joystick of the weapon, to have the integrated electronics. So to be able to have your button in here and the wires come out of the inside of the grip into there. And we're actually officially in, uh, we're in phase one prototype of that. No more just like, you know, concept and talking about it. We actually have, um, we have four downrange right now with some of our friends okay. um, who are, who have been using actually been using our products from the beginning Mm -hmm. and um they've got they should be getting to them any day now and they're going to put them to the test for the next few months and give me their feedback so there's that and then in saying at the same time simultaneously we have um we have about a dozen full-on like version official version one prototypes being made right now probably a probably about six weeks away from having those and being able to put those in people's hands to to demo. Man, that, um, that is fantastic. Sounds like the momentum's really built, and now yeah. it's it's starting to starting to steamroll, huh? And we're working on uh, we're doing version two of our sling. Okay. So our sling, we've gotten a lot of feedback on it. We gave it to some of the top the top tier guys. They love the concept. They're like, it's great, and they gave us some suggestions, and we took every single one of them to heart, and we're re- we're redoing the sling. So the sling. And again, you know, the industry, the, the, the country right now, it, raw materials, source materials, and everything is, is delayed and backed up. So we're hoping to have it out very soon, but I can't, again, I can't give dates on right. certain things. Um, fortunately, all of our stuff is, that we use is made in the United States. 
Um, so that's cool. I don't that know. Cool. I don't know if like we're like certain components, like the electronic components. Some I I don't know where they're coming from, but but everything is, is as far as we know is is made, manufactured, assembled, and delivered in the United States, which is one is like important for well, us. Good for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Or well, just about out of time. So I'd like to. I, I sent you a, yeah. a little note ahead of time. Asked you to prepare a couple things. So we've got uh, we've got a lot of active duty listeners um, and folks in general who. Uh, might be considering going into uh, a manufacturing type business or product development business mm-hmm. rather than the service industry. And as a guy who's, who's been there, done it, had some failures, had some struggles, and now is starting to climb the mountaintop, what are a couple of things, like main points that you'd want to leave with our listeners to, to help them out? Well, don't beat yourself up. Like I said earlier, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and something that we learned in the Marines, never expect anything, you'll never be disappointed. People are going to make empty promises to you. They're going to be like, dude, I'll help you any way I can, blah, blah, blah. And when then that time comes for you to be like, dude, I need your help right here, they're not going to help you. Don't take it personal. Everybody has their own stuff they're dealing with. It might be the wrong time. They might not be in the same position then, presently, mm-hmm. when they made you that 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 commitment six months, a year, two years ago, right? They might even forgot that they even did it. Don't take it personal and be like, all right, man, cool, no worries. Move on. Don't. Don't dwell on Short-term it. memory, you know, and just and just move on. Um, don't hold don't hold on to negative thoughts. Don't hold on to negative energy, man. You're going to get back from the universe what you put out. You know, it, be happy. Find something that makes you happy. Um, you know, one of the the best books that I read read that helped me in my transition from active duty when I retired was The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama. It's about it's not about being a Buddhist, but it's about Buddhist principles in everyday living, and that one carries true for me a lot. I really try to not say the word hate and put out positive vibes. And if somebody doesn't like you, you're not going to make them like you. Just, you know what, just try to just try to make their day better and, and move on and then realize, okay, cool. Uh, next, next. Um, and I said, be prepared to, to be let down. Everybody wants to help. Um, and don't be afraid to, uh, to, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to fail. Cause failure is when I was a football coach in Alaska, uh, for Pop Warner, I used to tell my kids, it's like, and they would say it, it's like, who is failure? Failure is my friend. What is failure? Failure is pain. Failure is my teacher, right? That will teach you more about yourself. You'll get more growth about yourself and for your company, like looking at fa- failure as a positive. I think Jocko has like a whole chapter in one of his books about failing, you know, and why it's good. Um, you know, so, so that stuff and and then let, let the failure motivate you let the negativity motivate you take that negative and turn it into a positive. Right. And then just, and move on. Like, you don't like me, you don't like my stuff, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Cool. Right on, right on. There's plenty of people out there that do. And and you know what? I'm not even, I'm, I'm, I got to do what I got to do to get us where, you know, our goal is to get to as a company. So, but, uh, Yeah. That's that's kind of it. That that's great advice. Um, I mean, a lot of that resonates well with me uh, from some of my personal experiences, and it's it's good to be reminded of it because it's easy to let those negative thoughts creep in and, and start to control things sometimes. So mm-hmm. That's that's wonderful advice. And I, I wrote that first book down, but I think you've got a couple more to recommend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let's hear them. What are they? Well, I got on. You, you said you wanted a couple points, and one is is a quote, one of my favorite quotes by Muhammad Ali, the man who's viewed the world at fifty. Views the world at 50 the same as he did when, when he was 20 is wasted 30 years of his life. Deep. 
Yes, and you have to change. You have to reinvent yourself. I graduated from college with honors at 48 years old. You know, if you knew me in high school, that's pretty like that's a pretty massive feat, right? For me to graduate with honors, right? You know, you have to constantly keep moving forward and doing things. You know, um, it's really long. I won't. I won't You're read good. it all. Let's but hear, um, the the other one is uh, principles. My father taught me. Uh, sorry, by uh, Doug Zembeck. So if you guys don't know who Doug Zembeck is, um, hands down, best Marine I've ever known. Best reconnaissance Marine um, and one of the best humans. He's in my top five. And um, he's also known as the Lion of Fallujah. <clears throat> and um, the principles my father taught me, you guys should Google it. And uh, it's just something that um, I look at and I read a lot. And as, a f- as one of his Marines, when he first read it, and I remember him like saying it to us, and it was like his motto, his credo, <clears throat> and um, transitioning now to being a father. It's completely different because it's not about me. Um, one of my favorite books, and it's like it's like the Art of War, but uh, the Book of Five Rings by Musashi Miyamoto. Yep, it's a book you read for your life. And I've read this book multiple times, you know, as a Marine. And I read it, the last time I read it was about three years ago. And the book is completely different now that I'm a dad. Because I'm no longer the student. Mm -hmm. I'm the teacher. And you want to have things that add value. Um, So, and this, sorry, man, this stuff just gets to me sometimes. But yeah, so uh, principles my father taught me. Doug Zambeck is probably... Uh, he's Earth's greatest warrior. Like, that guy was destined to be, like, destined for greatness. Either run JSOC, run the Marine Corps, like he was in, um, and he was, uh, he was killed. Um, my book list. So, get to some happier stuff here. My book list. All the Jack Carr books. Jack okay. Carr's The Seal. Uh, his books are incredible. Um, one of my other favorite books is Without Remorse, Tom Clancy. I swear to God, I think that thing took me three months to read. It was 900 pages. It's the biggest book I've ever read in my life. It's like it's like 15 pounds. That thing was with me everywhere. Um, <clears throat> I love that book. That movie that they made is absolute disgrace to the story. It, it, it's just horrible. Because okay. I went back and listened to the book again after I watched that movie. And I'm like, yeah, that movie's stupid. That movie would have been great if they called it something different. Gotcha. It would have yeah, been yeah. great, but uh, it's not even close to capturing John Clark's character. Jack Carr books, all of them, I can't wait for the new one to come out. He blows Clancy out of the water. His attention to detail and a dude, Ray Porter, who he has narrate the audiobooks. man, they're awesome. Okay. It right. is because the dude does voices and everything. Um, the book, one of the books I've recently listened to, and again, I don't have a lot of, I have a five-year-old reading Audiobooks, I'm going to get a lot more. I'm kinesthetic. I'm going to get a, retain a lot more of them. So I have listened to The Comfort Crisis five times in the last three months by Michael Easter. And <clears throat> it's a unique story. Guy's an alcoholic from a family of alcoholics. And he just wakes up one day and he's like, I'm done. I'm done drinking and everything. And then ends up 
into this meeting this guy Donnie Vincent who's this amazing hunting conservationist dude and um, is like doing these like 40 day hunts in the interior of Alaska for caribou and it's just but his story bounces around and it goes into like all of these physical challenges and these things and and all these like limitations that you can do with your body and it's just like it's it's extremely educational and the book was recommended by a friend of mine um bert sorn from uh sornex in south carolina and i have um i I love this book i'll listen to it again probably next month when i finish the, the current book i'm in um surprise kill vanished by annie jacobson it's about the history of ground branch and the start of the paramilitary covert side of the cia this movie, I mean, this book needs to be a movie. It's, it's insane. Talks about this dude, Billy Wall. This dude has fought yeah. in every, every conflict yeah, went, from went the back Korean War. Afghanistan at like seventy something years old, operating. Yeah, like yeah, on so, a horse with a rifle. Insane. <laughs> what this? Yeah, that book tells you without remorse. Um, You're worth it by Kyle Carpenter. You can't hurt me by David Goggins. Man, that dude is just nothing but like. Holy crap! Like you, you listen Goggins? to like yeah, you yeah. listen to him for like thirty seconds. You're like, I'm gonna run through that wall right now. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, the com- the complete book of the Five Rings, and then I'm currently in the middle of, and I'll be listening to it back to back. I'm almost done. Uh, Own the day, own your life by Aubrey Marcus, the founder of Onnit. Okay. And uh, the Onnit is something that's been very big in my life over this last year, as far as the Onnit program, the online digital library for training. So the mobility stuff, the the workouts, the six week workout plans they have in there, you know, with the steel mace and the clubs and stuff like that. So all of these things, like again, I want value added. I don't read a lot of fiction, but like the Tom Clancy and the Jack Carr books are that true true fiction, right. you know, and yep, it yep. and it very it correlates to my life. It correlates to things I've done and you know, just current events and that's the thing that the jack car he's writing these books and there's like current events like in real there. time yeah. yeah so it's it's pretty impressive i have to check him out i like to think i read a lot but <laughs> i've only read one of the books on your list so you just gave me a lot of homework yeah man and i appreciate it yeah um well we're about out of time Ron. all right uh i absolutely appreciate you coming <clears throat> on here today yeah and, and sharing your story with with me i mean i I should have been taking notes, but I can go back and listen to this again <laughs> and take my notes then. So uh, mm. I learned a lot from you today, and I, I learn a lot from you every time you speak at our events and everything too. So I mm. uh, really appreciate you being there for the guys that are, are going to try and follow in your footsteps and being a resource for them. Um, before we close it out, if we have folks that are interested in any of the Riker USA products or if we have people that want to reach out to you, maybe just – if, if it's, I'm going to put you on the spot, but if you're willing to, you know, entertain questions from people about 100%. how to do stuff, how can people get in touch with you? So Riker USA on Instagram, um, we are, we're going through, our, our Instagram page is Riker USA, Facebook's the same. I'm more active on Instagram than any of the other pages. We do have a Twitter, but I don't, I don't even remember the last time I was on it. And our YouTube channel, will be updating all our videos. And YouTube is also Riker USA, R-Y-K-E-R. Um, you can DM me on that and I'll, I will get back to you. Uh, or you can email me ron.holmes, H-O-L-M-E-S at RikerUSA.com. And I will mentor, answer questions. I'll do anything I can to help you. If I don't know, I don't know. If I know somebody that knows, I will, I will establish a connection with, with, you know, you and them. And, um, you know, I, I'll help you talk about transition, what things that you can do, things that worked for me. And, um, you know, just 
anything else like you know business oriented or whatever yeah and i'm, I'm going to encourage anybody listening to uh, take you up on that if they're, they're thinking about going down that road. Uh, not going to find anyone better to learn <clears> from. <throat> well, thanks a lot, Ron. I'll let you get out of here. All right. Really appreciate it, friend. Yeah, man. Thanks for checking out the VBC podcast. 